Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, we left y'all last week with the first episode of our Wyoming trip where we're just kind of discussing our hunt, how it all went down, and some hard lessons that we learned throughout that trip. So last week you kind of heard the, the first half of this hunt where you know we had a little bit of trouble getting up on the mountain and getting back off the mountain. Really, really cold night, freezing in the wilderness, and then uh, coming back down and hunting this new trailhead. And I think the last thing you heard was that we had just finally spotted a pretty good buck. So I'm going to keep this intro short and uh, jump right into it, but I will say before we do that that Tune in next week for the first episode of our Western series to learn how you know you can make some of these trips happen for yourself because growing up in the South, a lot of guys want to do a Western trip, but they think it's something unattainable, they can't afford it, they don't have the time, whatever, whatever. The purpose of this four-part series coming up is to basically explain to you how you can do that and maybe give you some ideas on something you could do in the future. So we have some really cool guests coming up really knowledgeable guys will be able to share a lot of information we're super excited about it so y'all make sure you tune in for that and without me babbling on any longer than i need to here is part two of our mule deer hunt from wyoming this october and boom right off the bat i see a really really big buck standing in that field so we get really really excited there's a trailhead right next to it so uh we you know we glass up these deer and there's 30 or 40 deer in this field and i think two of them were were 
we could tell were decent bucks, and then one of them we could tell was a really big buck. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, we fly down there and get to that trailhead, um, and we do a little bit of glassing basically right from the trailhead and from the road around there, and we get a good look at these deer, and sure enough, man, it's a very nice buck, something that me and you would both be very happy with tagging. And uh, uh, that night, what, what you got to say something? Well, I was going to say very much so. I mean, that buck was an absolutely a stud for that area come to find out and you know just kind of get a good idea i mean just to have an opportunity to chase a deer like that was unreal i mean uh again i'll kind of let you talk about a little bit more what we did after we kind of spotted that deer and get down there on the trailhead but uh absolutely great deer yeah so we get down to that trailhead and we don't have a whole lot of time uh we don't have time to hike in or anything because i mean by the time we got to the trailhead it was getting really hard to see through the spotter to see these deer and we were just catching little glimpses of him um so we just decided well we're just gonna sleep in the truck tonight so that's what we did slept in the truck and we actually talked to the biologist out there he he stopped by and uh asked us a few questions asked to see our licenses and we kind of picked his brain a little bit uh he gave us some pretty good information and uh we wake up the next morning and get it get started bright and early i mean we uh we were hiking in before sunrise it wasn't dark but it was before sunrise but we had kind of a goal of where we wanted to get so we, we start hiking up this trail, and it's, thank God, easier hiking. We get up to this little glass and knob that we want to get to, and on the way there, we don't see any deer, but we see tons and tons and tons of deer signs, just tracks on tracks on tracks everywhere. Mm-hmm. We get to this glass and knob, and we set up, and we're now we're right over the top of this alfalfa field, which is private. You know, it's maybe a half mile down below us, uh, and we can glass it, and we're sitting there watching it for, man, I don't know, 10 minutes, and there was, there's no deer in it, so we're getting kind of worried. And then two does feed out, and then out of nowhere, man, like 14 or 15 deer start feeding into this field, and several of them were very, very decent bucks. So now we're really, really excited. Yeah, and, you know, the cool thing about this area that we go to, or that we went to, um, it's totally different from where we were hunting before. Uh, we're hunting this giant drainage, guys, that goes up to wilderness area, but we're hunting the bases of this big drainage, kind of like in the the mid to upper uh, lying sagegrass hills below before you get to the actual mountain faces themselves. And these deer, what they're doing this time of the year in this area alone, I mean, it's different throughout you know the West and everything, but in this area of Wyoming, they legit migrate off these ginormous mountains i mean you're looking at these things dude like how could anything live up there come off the mountains and go down these drainages down to these low-lying areas and that's where they winter and the whole thing is trying to line up somewhere in between there to try to catch these deer slipping past you and that's when you can you know find a deer to get on and you know get your shot opportunity well where we were hunting at is this alfalfa field below us was on private land the hills up above it i mean literally the base of the hills pretty much were public so we were hoping that these deer would feed up onto the public land side, uh, you know, give us a shot opportunity, and that turned not to be the case. While we were sitting there on the side of this hill glassing all morning, uh, after a while these deer kind of like ran from the base of the hills below us where we couldn't see them out through the field and to the timber on the other side and this, uh, and this drainage. And one was that really good buck, a couple other smaller bucks, and a bunch of mule deer does. I mean, we're talking mule deer right now. Uh, throughout the day, we literally sit and spot in this glass from this one location. For, yeah, we're God, picking apart that I mean, valley. I mean, until probably noon, a little bit past noon. And while we're sitting there, we're, we find probably how many elk? 250 elk, maybe? Oh, uh, oh yeah. So that's something I forgot. When we stopped and first spotted these deer uh, from that big high spot where I spotted them from like a few miles away, I, at first we were glassing that valley, like I said. And I turned to check out this island in the middle of the creek. I'm like, oh, I bet there might be one on that island. And I'm sitting here and I look at this island, and it doesn't take me long to realize that it's not an island. It's like 250 elk all bunched together. And there was like a couple huge bulls in there. And so we were like freaking out. We're like, dude, look at all those elk. (laughs) They're everywhere. You can see them bugling down there. There's just like a big, giant herd bull with huge antlers like walking around showing his dominance. That, that was really cool, man. Watching those elk was an absolute blast. Yeah, so 
well, we're glassing guys up on this knob the next day, which is actually day three of this hunt. We're up above that alfalfa field. We actually see those elk, and we're like, I take some pretty cool videos through the spotting scope of these uh, these awesome animals. And again, there's a bunch of bulls in the group, along with a bunch of cows, a couple really just ginormous bulls out there that are just working their thing. But uh, the th problem was, while we were sitting there, we kind of, once these deer ran across the field from us into the timber, we kind of lost them for a little bit. And we were kind of just looking through this timber, trying to figure out where these these uh, mule deer are and we finally started spotting them throughout the day as they kind of got up to move around and finally found the one of the big bucks and uh the issue was again he's down there in this pond this private land there's no way we can access it and we literally i'm not gonna say waste a day but we literally sit all day glassing for these bucks and these deer and we almost got uh, them too at the end there was that one buck that i almost killed Exactly. So after sitting there for a little while, uh, we decide that afternoon, it was probably, God, three or four o'clock. Uh, they started feeding. Was it before after, Was it before they started feeding back into the field or afterwards we decided to reposition? Um, we repositioned after they started feeding out because the we were assuming they were going to feed out from the timber. And now this is a big group of deer. And there's like, I think four good mule deer bucks one of them being a really good buck and then there was a few whitetail does and then there was one really really nice whitetail buck which our tag was good for a, a whitetail as well so we wouldn't have hesitated to take him we repositioned trying to get up on these things as they're slowly feeding over and we get right on the edge of the public and we're sitting here watching them and we're wondering what they're going to do like hopefully they feed over here with enough daylight left that we can get them and then out of nowhere, they just start running straight towards us. And we start freaking out. We're like, oh, my God, it's about to happen. Because we're sitting here on this little drainage that comes right up from the middle of the field and goes up onto the public. And this pretty decent buck, he's nothing special, but he's, you know, a decent buck. He's not a forky. Uh, he starts coming up this drainage, and he beds, I'm not kidding, like 40 yards from the boundary. And we, we just have to sit there and watch him. And... He never comes up. Long story short, uh, these deer just keep feeding around, and they all bed right on the base of the hill. They don't come up onto the public any. And so yeah. we just have to watch them. And, and that was pretty demoralizing because, again, these deer, and the cool thing is, was legit seeing whitetail deer, bucks and does, intermingling with mule deer, bucks and does, like feeding together and stuff. It was really kind of crazy. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, I mean, there's a couple different bucks out there, both species that were different you know opportunities for us uh and yeah when they ran across i mean dude we like oh man we got this they're gonna come up this drainage they're gonna come up on one side or the other we're gonna have our shots we're like laying out but the funny thing is andrew which you kind of kind of skipped over but we're gonna have to talk about it for oh a second was, was you sitting on a freaking cactus yeah i'm now, putting a stalk on this buck and i sit on a cactus and i just have to now, sit there and be calm about it <laughs> yeah before okay before we kind of talk about that so guys where we're hunting it's almost like high. I don't, I don't think it's classified as high desert, but there's small cactus, the small cactus or cacti, uh, up in these sage grass, uh, sage grass flats. And I actually had stuck my hand in one. I mean, they're real small cactus. I mean, they're the size of like an apple at the very biggest, maybe the size of a grapefruit. And I literally stuck my hand in one early that day, trying to grab a protein bar that had sitting next to me. And I stuck my hand down there and stuck my hand in one. It, it, <laughs> it sucked. I mean, you had to pull some out. Well, Andrew. I think you made fun of me earlier that day because of that. And he's literally trying to like sneak up on some of these bucks that are bedded up on the side of this hill. And he like starts going around this little bend and like you like fell backwards for something, like lost your balance, fell backwards and right on top of one of these cactus. And dude, it was so stupid funny because like you start acting weird. I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, what's wrong with you, dude? And like we're on the side of this little dip and he like crawls back over to me. He's like, dude. I literally just sat on a cactus, and he's over here trying to reach in his pants, trying to pull out a freaking uh, a thorn. <laughs> oh my god, dude, that was so much. Fun. That was pull so out funny. Several dozen thorns. Yeah, I was literally laying there. I, I think I might have been filming that with the camera. Yeah, you were. I was literally, I was laughing so hard, dude. I'm like, these bucks are a couple hundred yards from. I was laughing so hard. That was the funniest thing I've seen in a quite a while. But uh, anyways, long story short, guys, those bucks kind of. They kind of work back down to the field, like we kind of lose track of them. So we decided to hike back toward the truck a little bit and try to get a better idea of where these bucks are. We start hiking back, and that's kind of when I don't know if you remember, but notice uh, those two people on horseback hike walking yep. down the actual trail that was higher up above us, and we see them. And there's like something on the back of one of the horses. Uh, it was a male and a female uh, uh, rider, and then they had a, a third horse with them. 
And you know, we just kind of work our way back to the truck. We back to the truck, and they're loading up their horses, and they have a freaking mule deer buck on one seventy third horse, straight up one seventy. E- oh, easily, easily, easily. I got pictures of it, guys. It, we'll, we'll post it on this week's episode. Absolute giant deer. I mean, in my opinion, absolutely just big old forks. I mean, he had splits coming off everything. I mean, to be honest, he was bigger than one seventy, like hands down. I, I believe. I mean, just a giant deer, but he had him on the horse, corded up. Head on there. I mean, it was unbelievable. And we started talking to the older gentleman and his wife. And he started giving us little pointers about what to do and kind of told us about that how that hunt took place for him. And he was up there. They were up, you know, more on the uh, wilderness side in the timber. And he kind of, like, almost jump shot them uh, through an opening. But they were telling us, like, there was a grizzly up there. They found a grizzly uh, kill that, or a claim that a grizzly had claimed a, a dead elk up there on the trail and told us not to walk up there. Yeah, he said that and the I, grizzly's probably coming back at night to feed on the carcass. There's an elk carcass that someone left out there, I guess, just with the, like, the remains of it after they had boned it out and everything. Uh, grizzly had been on it, and he's like, yeah, avoid that. But what he told us, was, we told him what we had been doing. We're like, yeah, there's a good buck down there. And uh, he's like, you're waste. You just wasted your whole day. He he uh, he didn't like. He wasn't blunt. Uh, he was polite, but he's like, yeah, you just wasted your whole day. You need to. Th- those deer have already made it down to where they're going. They're not gonna come back up. And so we're like, well, wh- what do you mean? And he explained to us how they're migrating off the mountain and uh, how they use these migration paths. And really, this spot we really bingoed this spot. It was a really good spot because this creek almost acts like a pass that goes up in there and uh it goes way up into the wilderness area and there's several you know drainages that come out of it but it funnels down to this one creek drainage and it gets real narrow and they have to walk through this valley and so this is the valley that we ended up hunting the next day it was just over the hill from where we had been glassing the alfalfa field exactly well we we get in there on day four okay get in there and you know, it was one of those things we didn't really know what to expect. The older gentleman said, you know, you could hunt, you know, you're going to have deer coming off these mountains. So just get and some they'll walk the horse trails too. I was like, yeah. what does the migration path look like? He's like, they just walk the horse paths. They take the same paths that we do. So we're like, okay, cool. <laughs> okay, exactly. So there was a main horse pass, which the, the, uh, the drainage that we were hunting in, guys, the, the, on the fourth day, it had a real steep creek bottom that went straight through it. And then it had like these little almost like a bench on each side of it that was really wide that went from above the creek all the way to the mountain face on both sides. And those deer on the fourth day we find out was literally coming off the mountain and they'd hit that bench and just start high talent to the lowlands. And, uh, you know, that second day we get out there, start glassing, uh, spot some elk out in front of us, uh, which if we had a cow tag, we could have shot a cow uh, a couple hundred yards. Um, but we started spotting. We started spotting some uh, deer, and I remember the first deer we spotted. You spotted them with your eight power binos at probably way, way, way across the valley, up way I'm, up the mountain. I'm I'm saying easily eighteen hundred to two thousand yards. I mean, you're you're over a mile. I mean, up on top of this mountain, you're looking up there like guys. Listen, we'll, we'll post pictures about this too. You're looking up on this mountain, and we're literally like laying back almost on this hillside. You're looking up this mountain on the other side, and you're like, how could anything live up there? Like, just how oh, could anything yeah. live? And you, and you literally start seeing the mountain come alive and start seeing deer like funneling off just these mountains. Materialize out of nowhere. You look, and then it's like there they are because they they wound up on this big dark brown patch of of dirt or a rock or something that I've looked at several times, and then you know I would loosen the little head on my tripod and I would just pivot real slowly across the side of the mountain and then I'd find a stopping point and I'd tighten it up and just sit there and watch it I was pivoting across that and when the sun hits them in the morning they just pop like you just see them and uh, yeah I was panning across and I saw two deer standing right there and I instantly knew they were bucks got the spotter on them and they were both you know decent rack bucks they're not big 170s but they weren't forkies either and the Pretty much our entire morning was I spotted them and then like like fourteen more deer over there, uh, and they worked all the way down the mountain and were coming right to us. And then eventually they got in a drainage and we just lost them. And we sat there and kept watching and watching and watching, waiting for them to come back out so we could potentially make a move on them. And then Jacob spots some deer right behind us, like he and I don't know if you had spotted one yet. And then you just like turn and look over your shoulder and like you're like oh there's a couple. 
And we look, and there's like eight does standing on the hillside 400 yards behind us. And so we're like, oh, dude, there's been deer slipping behind us all day long. We've just been watching half of what we should be watching. Mm-hmm. And I think you you thought one of them was a buck. And, yeah. And, yeah, so we made a move, and we tried to get up there on them, and we can't find them again. So then we decide to, to head up this hill and watch the horse trail right where it comes up out of the creek bottom. So it just climbs up the side and then tops out on this bench we're talking about. So we were just going to watch that. We'd been there for, what, like three minutes, and then, bam, here comes two bucks. And, you know, it got crazy, and we lost them, and then we had some does right in front of us, which that was a really cool experience, man. You remember those that little dry pond in front of us when those does worked out to it? Mm-hmm, that yeah. was just cool being, like, perched up on that hillside, and they were down there at, like, 150 yards and just watching these deer work within range these these mule deer that we've never hunted before and we're sitting here watching these things and it was just a really cool moment just seeing like these big puffy weird looking deer just doing their thing down there having no idea that we were sitting there waiting on them really but we weren't going to shoot does we didn't have a doe tag so we we kept waiting well the cool thing guys about that situation so we did move a little bit farther um i guess that's to the west they kind of cover more of this trail that these deer were coming off of, off this horse trail. And we literally sat on this big high ridge that it dropped down. We were up on like sage grass, like a sage grass flat. There's trees, you know, sparsely everywhere. But you can see really, really, really good, okay? Well, down below is this super steep hill that goes down probably, I don't know, 60, 80 feet. It hits pines, real thick, just the timber and goes all the way up this mountain and literally the mountain face was probably 300 yards from us so like it literally we were in a choke point where these deer had to come around this big rock face and had to either come through the timber where we could see them through the timber or come out in the opening on this horse trail i mean that's the only way they could come on this side and we're sitting there like you like you said earlier you know had a couple bucks pop out like kind of go across the horse trail in front of us at probably four or five six hundred yards and only come for a, a small moment of time and couldn't get really a really good visual on them, especially with a gun or anything. Um, and then, you know, after we were sitting there for a little while, we actually had uh, uh, literally a caravan of outfitters go. Two sheep hunters, yeah, coming off yeah, the mountain. Coming off the mountain, coming back down to the truck uh, past us. Uh, and we were we were probably, what, two, probably 300 yards off the trail itself, up the hill. Yeah. And uh, they came down They came down the trail. We watched for a little bit. Uh, packing out their camp and everything. and I mean, they literally had, like, dude, I, I lost count how many horses. I mean, it was, like, at least eight to ten horses minimum. Oh, yeah. Uh, and there was two groups of them. So, like, we're like, man, that kind of sucks, dude. And it's, you know, mid-afternoon right now uh, when that, that's happening at 3 o'clock. We're like, man, that kind of sucks. But uh, right after that, we saw some does, and some does kind of fed up down below us and everything, kind of fed up past us, and they kind of went the same way as the uh, outfitters. And uh, that's when old Santa Claus... Start coming down the trail. <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta tell the story of Santa Claus. So this is this, this is crazy. This is the unique part of the hunt. So I'm sitting here with my tripod and everything, watching, and I'm watching, you know, what's right in front of us. But I'm also still watching way across the valley just to see if I spot something over there that might, you know, maybe bed that we can make a move on. And I'm, I'm watching over there, and every once in a while we're picking up a deer way, way, way across the valley. And then this this dude comes up the trail, and he pops up out of that bottom uh, on the horse trail, and it's just one guy riding on his horse, and he's like a big chubby fella with a big white beard, looked like Santa Claus. <laughs> so he gets right up onto this bench, and he rides off the trail towards the edge of the bench, like 50 yards, hops off his horse and starts glassing across the valley where I'm looking. And he's basically, well... So I'm I'm watching him, and I'm basically watching over his shoulder. You know, he's in front of me by, like, he's probably 550 yards in front of me. And I'm looking over his shoulder at the opposite canyon, or at the opposite side of the valley, which is, like, 2,000 yards away almost. I mean, it's way over there. And I see a buck over his shoulder way on the other side. So he's, like, right between us and the buck. I'm like, oh, cool, he just spotted one. He's about to go get it. And he's, he's undoing his rifle. He's getting his rifle off his horse, and he's he's about to make a move and try and go over there and get this buck. And I'm sitting here watching him on my on my tripod through my binoculars. And mind you, the trail is like 40 yards behind him. 
and he's facing looking on the other side of the valley with the trail his back to the trail and i'm sitting here watching him and this huge really nice buck walks into the frame it's walking right down the middle of the trail and it walks right behind him so i'm like jacob jacob look at that buck coming down the trail and i start freaking out because i mean this is a big buck and uh we would we would later run into that buck again but it's like a big chocolate antlered white tail looking mule deer it's beautiful so i'm freaking out seeing this thing coming down the trail and i'm like oh my god he doesn't see it it's gonna come past us we're gonna get a shot at it and so it's coming and coming and coming and okay, hey, okay cut it. I got to cut in right there. Oh, okay, so, 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 okay, yeah. So I'm sitting there glass. And Andrew's off to my left next to this big tree. We're sitting next to each other, and all of a sudden I hear Andrew's like, "Buck, buck, buck!" Right behind him, and I'm like, "What are you talking about, dude? Like, I can't see anything." And because I had a tree in my way, he's like, "Dude, there's a big buck walking right behind him." He's like, "Oh my god!" And Andrew's like, "Keep saying." He's like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! He doesn't see it. He doesn't see it. Holy crap!" It's like there's a giant buck. I'm like, "What are you talking about, dude?" Like, I don't, I'm like, "I don't see anything, dude." And I got my binos. I'm trying to lean around this tree and see. I like, I can't see anything. He's like, "Dude, just just wait." And like all of a sudden, I see the buck, and it is a very very impressive build here, dude. <laughs> and it's walking, and exactly like you said, walking down the trail right past the guy. Doesn't even seemed to notice the guy off the trail or if he did he just didn't care for him and he just kept walking and i'm like holy crap dude and that's why I'll, I'll let you turn it over there kind of what you saw after that yeah so yeah this deer was completely oblivious to him and this trail would it comes towards us a little bit and then it splits and this deer can either come right by us at about 250 yards or it can kind of drop off and the the trail like splits and then comes back together basically and it, he could either come by us or he could drop off the side of the bench and basically side hill on the trail for you know a couple hundred yards and then the trails meet back up together. Well, so the dude looks over his shoulder and finally sees this deer right before it gets away. And so I'm like, oh my God, he sees it. And then he like leans over and he's trying to get his gun up. I'm like, he's about to shoot right towards us. And so we're like watching this dude aim at this deer and then the deer, instead of coming by us, drops to uh, what would be the deer's left and goes kind of down the side hill trail. And so then this guy like runs over there towards it. I'm like, he's not going to catch that buck. And I can still see the buck through the trees as it's working down the side of the hill. It's it's hard to explain, but it's like a almost like a secondary bench down there. You know, we're mm-hmm. on the main yep, bench exactly. and then it drops and there's another bench and the deer's on that mm-hmm. bench. And I can see it and it's not spooked. It has no idea he's there. So I'm like, dude... He's about to spook that thing. Let's make a big loop around and intercept it for when he spooks it. And so, you know, we stand up, we run and make this big loop around, and we finally get down to where we think this deer's going to be, and we just didn't swing wide enough, or we took too long to get there, and we basically just bumped into the guy. Okay, hold on. we got to talk about that again, because you, you skipped over some funny details. Okay, so Andrew <laughs> sees the buck go down on the second bench, okay? Andrew's like... Oh, dude, let's wait. Like, let's let this guy get this deer. I'm like, he had his opportunity. It's already like a couple hundred yards from him. Let's run down there and try to kill this thing. Again, things look a lot closer than what they are. And we literally, I'm like, dude, get your gun. Because I'm like, Andrew, we decided Andrew's going to be shooting first on this trip. I'm like, Andrew, get your gun. Get your rifle. That's, just take the rifle. No backpack. I'm literally taking a range finder in my binos. That's it. And we literally take off running. I'm talking, we are like, I, I personally, I don't know what you were doing. I was literally like hurtling uh sage grass like bushes dude <laughs> yeah, i'm talking yeah. booking it like if you would if, if that was on video yeah dude, and there's bones that, there's bones everywhere we're like hurtling bones because like i don't know stuff takes forever to decay out there so like jumping over like half a rib cage jumping over dude, a sage brush bush like <laughs> yeah, yeah it's just thick you can't really like it's like it's all like kind of like knee high or like thigh high and you're just jumping through all that crap and we literally run which I thought it was going to be, oh, like, you know, a two, 200-yard run. Dude, it, I don't know how far it turned out. It was forever going down that hill. And we get to the fi- very bottom. We kind of, like, you know, you kind of go up in front of us, peek out over it, and look down. And that's kind of when we saw old Santa Claus kind of almost met us down there on the second bench. We kind of looked down at him. He looks up at us, and we were like, all right, whatever, no deer. Kind of turned back around. And that's when I noticed I lost my rangefinder. Yep. Uh, which uh, made for an interesting thing. And that's another important thing, guys. When you go out there... It is very important to have a really good rangefinder, especially if you're going on a rifle hunt, or I mean, also an archery hunt, but a really high quality rangefinder that is going to allow you to have the angle compensation built into it uh, to really help you understand how far something is. And my rangefinder I had with us was, you know, a pretty good rangefinder, and I had it in my jacket pocket when we were running. Well, somewhere 
on this 400-yard run we did down this hill, it fell out of my pocket into the sagegrass. And the thing about sagegrass, guys, again, most of us down in the South, you probably have never even seen it or not seen it on a TV show or on a Western movie, okay? And it drops in the sagegrass, it disappears, dude. Like, you're, like, pulling the sagegrass back to try to find it. It's like little uh, mini trees, the sage. I mean, literally, it's like an old-growth forest. It's like It's kind of like a fragile habitat. Because it takes forever for it to get like how it was where we were, but yeah, I mean they're like yeah. little mini trees. It's like hard to pull them apart and like look through them. And the, the thing is, when we ran down there, like oh yeah, we ran past this tree, but everything looks the same. I'm like, did we come by this tree or that tree? And we try to for like 30 minutes afterwards try to find the rangefinder, and it was good as gone. Uh, you know, it's getting this, dark at that, that point. Well, it, it, it was getting later. You know, we had about two and a half mile hike going back, so like you know we need to get some time to go back you know we had probably about uh an hour probably a little over an hour to get back yeah and mind you like the locals don't stay out after dark so we weren't gonna stay out after dark because that's oh no yeah no not in grizzly country no Um, (laughs) even the locals the locals don't even hunt dusk i mean they were out at the truck by dusk i mean for the most i mean yeah those those Uh, guys with the sheep camp and and the santa claus guy they were coming out at four o'clock they were going to be back at the truck you know 30 minutes to an hour before sunset. Yeah, exactly. Well, us being us little southern boys, we were like, oh, we're, you know, we're used to hunting in the dark. You know, we, we, we get to the, uh, uh, you know, dust time, and, you know, it's, like, completely dark by the time we start heading back to the truck. So that was kind of our mindset. You know, we had our flashlights, you know, uh, headlamps and all that kind of stuff, so we're good to go. Well, we kind of decided to pack up. I'm like, screw it, you know, lost the range, fire, whatever, I'm going to buy me the other one. Yeah, no, we what, what we decided, this is, this was important. This is how we ended up both killing because if you hadn't lost that rangefinder, who knows what would have happened but i remember we were sitting there trying to figure out what to do and we were looking and looking and looking and i was like look man it's getting to be dusk let's just hike out and get back to the truck now and then we'll come back and we'll try and find it like midday tomorrow when it's kind of dead because i was because we had seen you know we had been at that spot for an hour and a half maybe and we had already seen over 20 deer so i was like we're just gonna we, we were just gonna hunt that all day the next day so i was like when it mm-hmm. dies down we'll just see if we can find your range finder then so we start going back down the trail and we don't make it very far down the trail and we round a corner and i spot a buck on a hillside probably 600 yards ahead of us i'm like jacob get down there's a buck right there and we get the binos on it and it's like a it's like a little mule deer buck, a little forky. And at this point, you know, we have one more day to hunt after this. You know, our this was a uh, day three, and day four was day f- really our last nope. day. Nope, nope. Get it makes sense. This is day four. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So day day four, yeah, we had we had really another day and a half to hunt. Uh, it was pretty much a, a five and a half day hunt that we had with two and a half days of travel. Uh, so that was the kind of situation, but yeah. So we round the corner, like you said, come around this you know, some sage grass, come around a, a bend in the uh, in, in the in the terrain, and then we spot that buck. And another thing, guys, when we say a small buck, okay, ant, you know antler size, yes, their bodies of the bucks out here are stupid big. I mean, even the does. I mean, a a doe out here, like a healthy doe, is probably at least almost two hundred pounds. I mean. It is unreal how big the bodies of some of these deer are out here. And, you know, bucks are pushing more than that. So when we say a smaller buck, yeah, it might be on the antler size, you know, a little smaller. But still, body size absolutely huge compared to what we're normally used to down here in the south, especially, like, you know, the Alabama region. But, uh, Andrew, I'll let you kind of take back over that. So I didn't mean to cut you off. But had to kind no, of explain the situation. <laughs> yeah, so we spot this thing. And, I like, lo- as soon as I see that it's a legal deer, I'm like, I'm, I'm shooting this thing because I would – I mean, I'm not going to be picky. I've never hunted mule deer before, so any legal buck we were going to go after. So I, like, go into predator mode, and I, like, lock in on this thing. <laughs> and, you know, I I start sneaking up, and I, there's, like, one pine tree in between us and the buck, so I kind of get behind that tree and use it for cover as we're making our approach. And there's a little rise right past that pine tree, so I slip my pack off, and I'm kind of walking with it just on one shoulder, uh, walking low to the ground and I get up to the little crest of that hill and I lay my pack down and I get set up and it's probably 250 yards and I line up take the shot and boom drop him so man that was a celebration man we were 
we could not it was like just like that it was over for me i was like oh my god i just killed a mule deer just like that <laughs> man you are good at skipping the funny and small details i think you forgot something about when you lay down oh i yeah i sure did i didn't forget i'm, <laughs> I'm still picking spines out of my stomach i laid right in a cactus and I knew I knew what I did as soon as I laid down, but like this buck was starting to work over the ridge, and I, I mean, I didn't have very much time to shoot because he was almost at the top of the ridge in front of us, and he was about to get out of sight. So I was just like, all right, and I felt myself lay down on it. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to deal with this later, but I'm gonna kill this deer if it's the last thing I do. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, and you did. I mean, you actually dropped him. I was actually filming on the camera. Worst cameraman ever. I mean, absolutely well, worst. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't yeah, have paid yeah. somebody to do a worse job. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it's yeah. perfect, man. Like, coolest shot ever. So, he's, like, 50 yards behind me, and he's zoomed in on this buck, and you got, like, a perfect over-the-shoulder view of me with the buck, like, in the in the background. And, you know, I'm, like, aiming at it, and it's, it's about to be the coolest shot ever. And, like, two seconds before I shoot, it just, like, pans over, and it's just blue sky, and nothing but blue sky in the camera, and then it's like, (laughs) and then it comes back to me, like, raising my arms up, like, celebrating, but, like, got everything perfectly, except the the only, like, four seconds he wasn't on me was the four seconds that I shot the deer. (laughs) Yeah, that was really funny, dude. I felt so bad afterwards, because it would, I'm not gonna lie, it was an awesome shot, us on top of that ridge, me down below you a little bit, over the shoulder, have have you in frame with the rifle, and then focus on the deer on the other hillside looking back at us, dude. It was it was awesome. But, yeah, you put a great shot on him. He dropped in his tracks, did not even move afterwards, and we got up on him. And that's when we went to work, man. That's when the work really started happening. Yeah. Um, we, we had our packs with us, but, you know, we were kind of truck camping at this point. So we were packing pretty light, had a little bit of water and food on us, and, you know, some extra clothing. That's about it. Uh, so that's when we started, you know, started you know doing our gutting and quartering and that's one thing i was excited about was you know trying out some game bags and really packing out meat because that's one thing i've always wanted to do and that was a really cool experience but uh getting up there you know, and it, seeing that thing though sorry to interrupt but like getting up there after we killed it and we knew it was dead and like we celebrated and everything down there walking up that hill was just like man it was surreal like walking up on this animal i've never touched one i've never seen one until you know two days prior it was just, man, it was a really, 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 really cool experience walking up there and then seeing the thing and seeing how big it was, even though it was like a young one. It was huge. It was like 200 pounds, you know? And they look at forkies out there like kind of like how we uh, look at little basket racks here, I guess, like little little scragglehorn bucks back here in Alabama. That's how they look at those little forky mule deer. And this thing was still like 200 pounds. We were blown away. And thick fur, absolutely beautiful coat on him. Yeah, I mean, it was just, man, I, I, I like have no words. It was, it was a really, really, really cool experience. Yeah, and another thing, you know, it's a, it's a forking horn or you know a forky. But dude, his forks are ginormous, dude. I mean, the, the, the length of the main beans are so impressive off this deer. I mean, it's just unreal. But another cool thing is that, you know, like a white-tailed deer, especially in the south. I mean, I've, I've Kill deer in a couple days. That white tail deer have a really distinct smell, especially like their guts. Like yeah. it's not a good smell at all. And their fur, they've got like this really just—it's just a distinct smell. Mule deer smell legit clean, like the fur does. And then their guts, because they—I guess they eat some of the sage grass, like you, you talked about before—and mm-hmm. they smell real like. It sounds really weird, guys, but they actually smell like good on the inside. They don't smell like just guts and nastiness. Even if you pop the stomach on a punch. Now, it, Westerners will not say that because we we ran into. We'll get to this in a minute, but we ran into some guys and we popped the gut, and they were complaining about it. We're like, it smells great compared to what we're used to smelling. I mean, hundred percent. It smells like sage. I mean, it literally smells like you ground up sage, and it was just fermenting. That's exactly what it smelled like. Yeah. Uh, which I mean, to be honest, that smelled. Amazing compared to like a white tail back here who has been eating acorns and crap. It just smells horrible. Um, but yeah, so we get to start working to do the, our meat processing and everything, you know, skinning and quartering and just getting all that taken care of. That which, was fun, I mean, man. I, yeah, I enjoyed it because we had them on some rocks that we kind of like kind of leaned them over and kind of yeah. went to work. Just working and, on that thing, dude. Just like me and you were just in tuned, hardly talking, just like slicing this deer up, just. I mean, it, like I said, just doing it, you know, like 10 minutes earlier, we were 
pissed off because we lost a rangefinder and we didn't kill a deer. And now we're yep. sitting here gutting this thing, you know, got the blood all over us and everything, filling up game bags. A, lo- a little bit of anxiety because it's, uh, you know, starting to roll over into darkness at this point and, uh, and we have like a dead deer down and we got to pack them way out of there and it's going to take a long time to get back. I'll say it's not getting dark yet. It's definitely sun is setting. I mean, yeah, we have yeah. 15 to 20 minutes left of legal shooting light. That's about it. So, yeah, kind of getting a little anxious. I mean, we're out there on a sage grass flat. You know, there's not a lot of timber really close to us. But, yeah, just like that smell in the air of just the dead deer, you know, that's something you got to kind of worry about. But, yeah, we got them all packed up. Uh, we kind of split up the meat and everything. You took out the, the head and everything. Uh, then we like, you know, we decided right then and there that, you know, do we want to take the trail that we walked in on or do we want to do a side trail and kind of work our way back a different way? And we both kind of decided like, you know, let's, you know, go across right here and, you know, walk another ridge back and do something different. And, you know, thankfully we did that. And, um, you know, kind of, I'll, I'll let you kind of say, well, let me, let me say my side of the story and then I'll kind of let you explain your side. So we go across this little fence out there, which there's a lot of cattle grounds out there, guys. So they kind of like. I guess they lease out uh, cattle rights and like um, uh, what do you grazing call it? Fe- rights. Gr- grazing rights. There you go. Out there, so there's a lot of like random uh, fence rows out there for these cattle areas. But I mean, it's all public land, so you're just going over fences. Well, we went over this one fence, started working along the side ridge, and all of a sudden I look up to the right of us and uh, to the west, and I see a doe up there. And I'm like, Hey, Andrew, he knows a doe. I'm like, Okay, cool. And he looks at me and he's like, Yeah, he knows a doe. You know, we can't shoot does. Okay, so wait, I gotta give my side. So like I I want to get out because I'm like, I'm carrying bloody deer on my back. It's getting dark. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I want to get back to the truck. And you're like, hey, look at that doe. I was like, forget the doe. We're going back to the truck. Like, <laughs> it's, that's, that's exactly what it was. You know? <laughs> I was like, I was on a mission. I was like, we're getting off this mountain. I'm eating some mashed potatoes. I'm gonna drink a spark and I'm gonna eat a granola bar and I'm gonna sleep. I'm wore out. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. I mean, and then. You know, so I'll say my side of the story, and then I kind of let you comment on this. So we get on this ridge, and we start working, and, like, the trail kind of drops off this ridge down to, like, this this draw. And Andrew gets up to that draw, and all of a sudden, he, like, turns around and, like, does what we kind of described as our uh, doe sign, where he kind of, like, where we didn't have to talk and everything. He kind of turned around and kind of, like, rubbed the top of his head, like, real quick. And I'm like, okay, cool, see some does. And, like, you made a sign. You were probably, like, 30 or 40 yards out in front of me. And, uh, yeah, I think he made it sound like there's, like, five or six does. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, who cares? Again, because can't shoot does. And all of a sudden, you turn back around, and then you turn back around, and you're, like, freaking hands above your head, like, freaking big buck and everything. I was like, what? He's like, he's like, you're like, get your pack off. And you kind of take over from there. Yeah, so what had happened was, you know, we saw that doe to the right. Wasn't too excited. I was honestly like, please, God, I don't want to see another buck. <laughs> like, I don't want to kill another deer tonight. So... We're walking down this trail, and we come up to this little gully where the trail's going to drop down into this gully. And it's hard to explain, but there's, like, the hill goes down, and then there's, like, a little rise, like, right in the middle of this bowl. And on that rise, there's, like, eight does standing there. So I saw those does, and I, like, motioned to you, like, a number. And then I did, like, a little slick head thing where it looks like you're rubbing the top of your head. And so I was basically saying, like, there's a bunch of does right here. Mm -hmm. And then I turn and look. And walking right down the draw was, I saw another deer, and I instantly knew it was a buck, and I just saw a frame sticking out. Like, I just saw big antlers, so I was like, oh, my God. And so I turned to you, and I, like, I said, get down, get down, get your pack off. You know, I'm doing the thing. I'm like, big buck, big buck, big buck. I kept, That's all I was saying over and over again. I was like, big buck, big buck, come over here. You come over, yeah. and you get laid across that sagebrush. Uh, there's like a big bush in front of us and you lay across the top of it and you, you can't, you, you didn't see him and I'm sitting here watching him and by now he's gotten intermingled with these does and one of those does spotted us and she was getting kind of weirded out because she knew something was up. Yeah, and the thing is guys that we notice with mule deer, they don't really get, they don't spook like white toes. They don't blow at you, at least the ones we did, the ones we ran into. I'm, I'm sure... They might would do that, but we never had any deer blow at you or anything like that. They kind of just look at you kind of weird and kind of like, you know, like they'll run off or bound off. They, they jump and whatever. It's kind of funny. But uh, anyways, so yeah, I, I take my pack off. I have my gun strapped to my pack. So I drop my pack. Andrew's like kind of get eyes on the on the buck. He's like, get your gun off. So I get my rifle off real quick. I'm freaking out right now because I'm like, oh, dude, it's my chance. Uh, and uh, made sure I had a, a round in the chamber and then 
went up to him, and Andrew's like, it's right down there. And I see all the does. I can't see the buck. And I get down on this, like he said, on the sage bush. And it, the reason I got on the sage bush because it had some big branches on it that I was using to kind of stabilize the rifle. And I'm looking down this gully, and these, these deer are down the bottom of this gully in this little high spot. And it's a bunch of tall sage grass all around them and sagebrush. And all I can see is does. I cannot see the buck at all. I'm like, where's the buck at? Where's the buck? He's like, he's right there. Do you not see him? I'm like, I do not see him at all. And all of a sudden, I see him, like, does start going up on the other side. And I see him up on the other side of the ridge, on the other side of the gully. And I'm like, okay, got him, got him, got him, got him. And I'll instantly see him. I see his big chocolate rack and this big frame. And, of course, he's the, at this time, he's kind of like, uh, kind of going up the side of the ridge, like kind of courting away from me. And, you know, anytime you see a buck from behind, he looks even larger than what he really is. Yeah. I mean, it's a big deer, but I look at him, I'm like, oh, my God, dude. And this huge body, I'm like, oh, crap. So I, like, instantly, I'm like, don't look at the antlers because, like, I'm, I'm pretty bad about getting buck fever normally. Uh, so I'm like, don't look, don't look at the antlers. Look at the body. Focus on the body. So, you know, take the safety off. I'm super calm at this point, though. Super calm at this point. And I'm like, lost the range finder. And I'm thinking, you know, it's probably, you know, high 200s, low 300 yards to where this buck is, okay? You know, real steep draw going down, and that's what I'm thinking. So, with my gun, I had it sighted in at 200 yards. So, I put the crosshair, like, right on the top of his back, okay? Maybe a touch above his top of his back, and he's kind of cording away. I squeeze off around him, bam! And then that buck just stands there, and all the does stand there, and I'm like, what the heck just happened? And, Andrew, what happened when you when you... What was your reaction on that first shot? So, like, he's working up the side of that hill, and you finally you're like, oh, I see him, I see him. And he's right in the middle of all these does. And so now I'm like, don't shoot a doe. Don't. I was like, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot a doe. And I'm freaking out. And then he gets a little bit of space between him, and I think you said, like, okay, I'm going to shoot. And so I get my binos up, and I'm watching, and you shoot, and you hit, like, four inches over the top of his back. And I was like, you're high, and you rack another one. And you shoot again, and you hit right in the exact same spot. I was like, "You're high." <laughs> yeah. So, so, so let me. Okay. So at that time, again, so I shoot that first time, and Andrew's like, "You're high." I'm like, "What?" I'm like, "There's no way." I put it around it, and I hold exactly the same, like an idiot, hold exactly the same spot, squeeze off, high again. And he's like, and th- by that second shot, deer's freaking out. Deer's like jumping around. D- does are going everywhere. Bucks kind of like jump across, and he's he's moving now. So. Another round in, come up, and I get him to stop, and he's kind of quartering away again, and I literally just hold down low on his chest and just squeeze one off, and bam, hits him, and he, like, starts wobbling. And after he starts wobbling, I kind of lose sight of him, and Andrew's like, oh, he's down, he's down. And, like, Andrew kind of take over there, and then emotions kind of fled. Yeah, yeah, dude, you jumped up, and you went, I love you. (laughs) You, Yeah. You're freaking out, man. (laughs) Big hug. And then, you know, I'm excited. Okay, I'm excited, but then at this point, I'm also like, oh my god, this is going to (laughs) suck, like backing this thing out, and we're celebrating, and you go back to get your pack, and I look to the right, and I see two orange hats, like 300 yards away, I was like, oh no, like these guys are going to be pissed, because we shot this deer out from under them, and they had no idea we were there, and we didn't know they were there, we go up to this buck, we're checking it out, and you know, here they come. And they, they come up to us, and they, they wind up being really nice guys. Uh, we actually still stay in contact with one of them. Uh, they actually work at the taxidermy place that uh, Jacob is getting his deer done at. But they, they were very, very nice. They, they were like, man, we didn't know what you were shooting at. We didn't even see him. We just saw a group of does. And uh, they helped us skin it and cape it and everything and uh, pack them out. And they were a big help, man, but... Trying to keep up with them, getting off the mountain was like I was I was a good sixty yards behind them, trying hard to keep up, and I busted my butt two times. You know, I got a bunch of deer meat on my back, busted my butt going down the hill, and we just lost you at some point. And by now, okay. it's it's dark. Okay, it's like okay. nighttime getting out now. Hold on a second. Okay, let, let's you skipped over some stuff, but yeah, we got to talk about that. So we we get to this deer and everything. We're taking photos, and by the way, he's a what they would call a three by three. Uh, with a kicker coming on his right side. So down in the south, we call him a nine point. So, you know, he's got, you know, four on one side counting the brown tine, or four on the left side counting the brown tine. On his right side, it's four main tines, and he's got a kicker coming off his G2. And really good deer. Uh, biggest deer I've ever shot. And I asked the tax service, one of the guys that works at the tax service, I'm like, first of all, because I've never seen a deer that, weigh, that weighed this big. I've never seen a body this size. I'm like, how much do you think he weighs, if you had to guess, and how much do you think he'd score if you had to guess? 
And uh, the guy thought he was between 275 and 300 pounds and then between probably low 140s uh, score. And I was absolutely ecstatic. But his body was so big, it actually made his rack look kind of small up front, just how big his chest was. Uh, just a massive deer. I mean, again, we got photos of it. That's just, It's just kind of funny me sitting next to this animal and just how massive they look. It kind of makes you think in perspective of how big an elk would look getting next to an elk. But, um, yeah, like you said, the guys kind of came up to us and, you know, kind of congratulated me. Uh, congratulated both of us on getting our, our first deer. Super nice guys. And, they, again, like you said, helped us cape them out, uh, skin the meat and everything. And, dude, we were packing out some serious weight, dude. And I don't know how I got stuck with as much meat as I did, okay? That's one reason I got so far behind because I had one of your quarters in my pack, okay? One of the guys took my back straps and the neck meat. Back straps, tenderloins, neck meat. And I don't know if Dylan took anything. I don't. I don't remember if Dylan took anything. Dylan took like a shoulder, I think. Okay, so I had both hams. Dylan is the both... guy who who works at the tax restaurant. He's the guy that helped us pack it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Big shout out to Dylan. Uh, but anyways, I had two. I had both my hams or hindquarters, and I think a shoulder. And then I had your shoulder in there for some. I got stuck with a lot of meat. Let's just say that, guys. And literally to get me up, Andrew, you can kind of test this. I had to have two guys pull me up from like <laughs> sitting down. I had to, I had to literally stand the pack up. Okay, it's like a turtle. Yeah, look, look, all honesty, I had to stand the pack up. I had to get on the ground, slide into the pack, and then have two guys pull me up, and then have my trekking poles to like balance myself. I mean, easily, easily pushing a hundred pound pack, dude. I mean, stupid, stupid, stupid. Heavy. It, it made that pack up, the pack up on the first day with sixty pounds on our back look like freaking nothing, like yeah. cake. Like, and we're coming off the mountain. By this time, you know, we're worn out. I got trekking poles. My knees are buckling, dude. Like, I'm done. Two miles out, I'm, I'm like, I'm done. And these guys, so Dylan, I, I apologize, man. I forgot the other guy's name. But these dudes are booking it going off this mountain. Andrew's following them. And I'm like, in the back, I'm like, whatever. It's pitch black. I got a headlamp. I got a pistol in my rifle. I'm like, listen, trekking poles in my hand. Just struggling to get down this mountain. And they get so far out there. I mean, they, y'all got out a couple hundred yards from me a couple times, and then y'all stop and wait for me to get there. Take me a couple minutes to get to you, and then like y'all would run out again and this and that. And finally, y'all like, "We'll just meet you back at the truck." And I'm like, "Okay." And y'all freaking just ditched me, dude. I was, dude, that last half mile. I was like, it was, man, I'm gonna feel bad if Jacob gets eaten, dude. For real, that last half mile, bloody with deer meat and everything on my back, dude, in my pack, just. Going down the trail that last half mile was brutal, man. Absolutely sucked, dude. I, I mean, hundred percent solo. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, blame y'all for getting out there uh, a little bit quicker because I was definitely on the struggle bus that uh, that evening. But dude, that that was brutal. But it's one of those things you get back to the truck, dude, and to take that pack off. Oh my god, man! I've never felt so good in my entire life, man. This freaking ecstatic. And uh, I'm not gonna lie, that shower that night at the hotel was to die for, like legit, because. You guys out there, it was so windy and dusty. We, ha- I had dust like behind my ear and in places like all of my face and stuff. That it just, it was just, I mean, insane. So it was amazing how dirty you were after a couple of days of just hunting out there and truck camping. Yeah. But uh, I mean that it was an absolutely awesome hunt, dude. And again, I guess we could say this episode was brought to you by Wendy's because I guess oh my Angie, gosh, you, could, you kind of talk about that a little bit. That was hilarious getting back into town. Yeah, we, long story short, we ate at Wendy's four times on the way home, and we got a Baconator every time. We we ate at two towns in Wyoming, a town in Nebraska, and a town in Arkansas. Because, we, we, you know, being up there and you're just eating, you know, uh, freaking bagged instant. chicken, like instant mashed potatoes with, uh, like, pre-cooked chicken, and it's just, like, not very fattening meat, and then... You're up there and you get off the mountain after doing some like serious strenuous stuff and you're just like, dude, I need fat. I need some. I need like a greasy burger, like a really fatty steak or something. So, yeah, yeah Wendy's that, should sponsor us. Oh, hundred percent, man, hundred uh, percent. But yeah, that, that was kind of the the running joke with this whole thing was. You know, brought to you by Wendy's just because how much we ate Wendy's. And to be honest, I was never like a huge Wendy's fan and never had had a Baconator until that trip. And Andrew's like, you have to have a Baconator. And like that was pretty much our meal for the, the rest of that, the, the next 48 hours as we went home. But um, oh, it oh, was also, oh. guys. I, I forgot. The deer that I am 100, and I don't know if Jacob agrees with me, but I am 100% certain that the deer that Jacob killed is the same deer that walked right behind Santa Claus about 
uh, two or uh, probably an hour and a half earlier. And what that deer did was he walked behind the dude and he he side-heeled on that second bench, came back up, and he probably went right through the same draw that the deer I killed was in. He probably went right up through that same draw, topped over the ridge, and then went down there and found that doe group. Uh, And my buck was probably headed right to where they were at, you know. And we just kind of inadvertently followed him, but I'm 100% sure it was the same deer. I don't care what deer it was. I was just happy to be able to get the deer. I'll say that. Because I'm not going to lie, it's getting kind of worried that uh, since after you killed your deer, I had a day and a half left to be able to try to make it happen. So I was just excited to be able to get one. I mean, whether it was that deer we saw earlier or what, but I mean, definitely still had the same chocolate horns or chocolate antlers. I didn't really get a good look at him uh, through the binos all that much uh, when he was walking behind Santa Claus like you did. So I couldn't tell if he had split G2s or anything. But I mean, no matter what, it's great deer, hands down. Uh, you know, good mass, good age, and even the, the guy that works at Texas, Dylan, he even said for that area, that's a really high quality buck for that area, uh, which he said, you know, was around, you know, above average for what you're going to find for that unit, which, I mean, made me feel good. Uh, but, you know, the next day we pretty much woke up after in the hotel, ran him down to Texas, got to see their work there, and they do unbelievable work. Oh my gosh. I mean, they had. Pretty much any species of animal in the freaking world you could go hunt big game wise, they had there that they were working on at that moment. And uh, I mean, they had some mule deer there that were, you know, pushing over 200 inches that some guys had killed locally in that area, uh, which was unbelievable to see. And also having that grizzly there, full body grizzly mount, full body elk mount, uh, full body moose mounts, I mean, full body giraffe they were working on. I mean, it was unreal, uh, which again, kind of funny. Guys in Wyoming were working on a giraffe mount, but yeah, don't ask. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just an awesome hunt, guys. Again, you know, we drove back and, you know, had to take a lot of meat with us. I think we brought two coolers apiece uh, for that hunt, and it was barely enough room. Uh, two of the coolers, I think, were 72 quarts. The other ones were 45 quarts, I believe. And it was barely enough for meat and ice. Uh, but, yeah, it, it was very much well worth that hunt and that time frame and also just the 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 time and that money that we put into it was worth every bit of everything we got out of it yeah i i definitely agree dude and man this is a long one but i guess we'll go ahead and wrap this up uh but this is just kind of an episode to get you ready for these next four episodes we're going to do where we're going to be diving into how you can do this kind of hunt for yourself you know on public land pretty cheaply uh and you know go out there and get it done and we'll do it species by species uh over the next four weeks so hopefully some of you guys out there this will be the thing that pushes you over and you know makes you finally pull the trigger on buying a tag hey exactly i mean it's all about having an experienced guys that again doesn't have to be once in a lifetime uh i mean you can go out there you know year in year out or every couple of years to be able to do a hunt like this without you know much much issue. I mean, the the number one defining uh, cause for most people for not going out there and doing hunts like this is time. It's not really money. It's more about time than anything. Uh, so if you can make time for everything and just either put back a little bit of money whenever you can, or depending on what kind of job you have, maybe you can you know you know depending like on what you do, you might be able to have some more money up front to be able to do a hunt like this, especially last minute. But it's one of those things it takes a lot of planning guys, which we'll go into, you know, how to plan some of these hunts and really help you be as effective as possible. Again, coming from two guys that we are no experts by no means. Uh, it's just what we've learned through this last year or two doing this and what we're going to be doing in the future and how y'all can kind of learn from some of our mistakes and also some of our guests that we all have on about, you know, what's worked for them and what's going to really help you go out there and be as effective as possible. And that's what's really the point. I mean, you want to go out there, have a good time. You want to be, you want to have a good hunt. Uh, you know, you want to be successful if possible uh, and just have a great experience that's going to last you a lifetime. And that's exactly what this will do. Yep, man, I couldn't agree more. And uh, that's a pretty good stopping point. So I want to thank everybody for listening to this one. And uh, if y'all have any questions that you would like us to answer or have our guests answer over these next four weeks uh, for these episodes coming up, you can message us on Facebook, Instagram, or email aloutdoors8 
at gmail.com with that question. We will respond, and all feedback is greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening. You guys seem to really have enjoyed over the last year where we went to a Q&A format every Thursday on the show where we answer some listener questions. Now, some of the most common ones that we get have to do with gear, but also how to find a good hunting buddy. You know, I'm really lucky to, to have a hunting buddy like Jacob. We've been on a lot of incredible hunting trips together over the years, and it's just nice to have somebody that, you know, is always down to go on that that trip that you've always wanted to go on or, or who'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning and go get that gate before someone else does on public land with you, whatever the case may be. And like I said, we get a lot of questions on how do you find, you know, a group of people who enjoy that same thing so you can kind of network and make some connections. The Mobile Hunters Expo is the place to do that. Y'all heard us talk about it last year. And guess what? This year it's happening in Dalton, Georgia. We're going to be there June 28th through the 30th. We're going to be there all three days. We're going to have a booth. You can come talk to us. We talked to a lot of you guys last year, had a ton of fun. So looking forward to that again. But guys, I'm telling you, this is the place to come network. And there's going to be a ton of you guys there. A lot of Southern Outdoorsman podcast listeners are going to be at this show. And actually, Friday, June 28th, there's going to be an after-hour social after the expo. So what better place to go kind of intermingle, hang out with a bunch of like-minded people, and probably pick up a couple new hunting buddies. So you guys don't miss it. It's June 28th through the 30th. I'm telling you, if you listen to this podcast, this is an event you need to be at. Now, we'll see you guys at the Mobile Hunters Expo June 28th through the 30th in Dalton, Georgia.